welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. I'm so glad that I'm in your ears and hopefully you know you guys are all in my heart. If you don't know who I am, read the bio or just know that I am the queen of burnout, mother of dragons, keeper of the Amazon, family medicine doc who loves talking about drugs. So getting her addiction medicine fellowship completed. I am Dr. Freaking Erin Wiseman. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. She was episode 151 back in March of 2020. Holy shit. We have all like had a lifetime since last time that Archna and I had got together, but I'm so glad to have my friend back. This is Dr. Archna Shrestha. She's an emergency medicine doc. She is a certified life and weight coach. She's a best-selling author, speaker, entrepreneur, and like I said, friend. We got to know each other really well through women in white coats. But what she's doing these days is continuing on her chief wellness officer work with Mama Doc School, where inside her Mama Doc Weight Loss Accelerator helps physician moms achieve long-lasting weight loss by addressing the underlying stress and emotional eating once and for all. Archna's mission and purpose is to uplift and empower working moms, especially us women doctors, as she has experienced it all firsthand in the struggles that we all face. I'm really excited because she's now offering a free little mini course. So if you want to go check her out and hang out with her, it's called Secrets to Lasting Weight Loss that we didn't learn in med school. And we'll talk about all of this at the end of our conversation. All right, friend, we'll stick around and listen to this amazing conversation. Hey, friend, how are you today? I'm doing so well, Erin. It's so good to reconnect with you. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that it was pre-pandemic the last time that we started recording? I know, right? It's like life before pandemic and life after, right? Like it's Holy just, shit. there's that total delineation. <laughs> Was this pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? Right. And we just live right next to each other. You're in Illinois and I'm in Indiana. But the folks who weren't around several years ago or who didn't get to hang out with us at the Women's and White Coast Conference what was that, 2019? Gosh, that was so long ago. Tell them a little bit about yourself and the work you're putting into the world. Yeah, my name is Archana Shrestha. I am an emergency physician um, turned life and weight loss coach, but I do still practice emergency medicine. And I've realized that coaching has actually always been a part of my life to some degree. You know, like even when I was a teenager, I was a tennis coach. <laughs> and throughout the years, mentoring other students, uh, you know, like once you go to college, you kind of mentor the younger students and things like that, all these different roles along the way. And really, I feel like as doctors, I mean, honestly, the word doctor really means teacher, right? In many ways, we are teaching and guiding and coaching to a degree our patients as well. And so, I fell into coaching after going um, along uh, my own journey, uh, facing burnout. I know, Aaron, that's something you talk a lot about here on this podcast, but facing what I call double burnout, which was not only professional burnout, but parental burnout as well, kind of the double whammy of that, which was taking its toll on my body because I was stress eating. I was emotionally eating. I was turning to food as a way to neutralize all the stress and the emotions 
uh, the stress of working in the ER and a crazy hectic schedule there, the stress of mommy life, right? We all know that as moms, how stressful that can be. Kids having tantrums, not knowing how to handle them. And I would turn to food as a way to neutralize all of those uh, emotions. And finally, it was like, this has got to end. Kind of had a couple of rock bottom moments there where my scrub pants no longer fit, where I did a life insurance exam for my, uh, you know, for us to get life insurance now that we had kids, right? And for the first time in my life, I fell into this overweight category. And I was like, wow, I had usually been pretty in shape for most of my life. And I was like, wow. And I think the final straw was when my brother sent me uh, workout videos for my birthday. As a Holy shit. <laughs> he's my brother who loves to mess with me, right? So he uh, he's like, hint, hint, I think you need to get into shape. And he was like, these workouts are for women who are getting older and you need to get in shape. I'm like, thanks, bro. <laughs> and so I needed to, I was like, gosh, something's got to give here. I need to change something. And I went on my own journey, overcoming burnout, overcoming the stress and emotional eating and found a coach to help me. And like so many of us coaches, we want to pay it forward, right? And so as I was um, losing the weight and people were like, you know, you look really great. Um, What's going on? What are you doing? Your energy is amazing. Your mood's amazing. Like, what are you doing? And so they were like, can you help me too? And so that's how I ended up becoming a life and weight coach as well. And I know when we first met, you were doing this. And then we had talked about before the recording, you know, really invested in women in white coat. And then just how life is with different seasons, things wax and wane. Back really into Mama Doc School. How is it different now than when you first started it? What now? Seven years ago? Five, seven years ago? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's such an interesting thing, right? Like, so I think we evolve as we obviously evolve as people, right? But I think we can evolve as coaches and teachers and mentors too, right? And so when I first started coaching other women, mostly women were coming to me, women in healthcare, right? That were just honestly part of my network. And they like knew me and they were like, what's going on? Like, you're doing amazing. I want you to help me. And so what I was doing then was a a type of coaching on weight loss and fitness where I would basically give people action plans, okay? Like do these workouts, eat this way, here's a nutrition plan, right? So it's all about the actions. And while you could have some success, of course, changing your actions alone, what I would find is like for many of my clients, not all, but many, the weight loss wasn't lasting because they hadn't fundamentally changed their thinking about it, right? Their mindset, their beliefs, their habits, right? And so it was more of a temporary thing. And so I really started digging deeper and I was like, well, what's going on here? Like, I'm here to get people lasting results. That's what I really want, you know? And so I started to kind of look deeper and I was like, okay, we really need to work on changing our thoughts, our beliefs, our mindsets, and also address stress and emotional eating because many of the women I was working with were in healthcare, obviously working in stressful environments. Many of them were moms, you know, coming home to the second shift of everything and all the responsibilities at home. And so I started to really realize like, okay, I've got to go deeper and really address the underlying root here. The root cause of the issue is, which is stress and emotional eating. And what I started to realize is like just changing actions is sort of like taking the weed whacker or the lawnmower to the weeds, right? Like, sure. If you get a whole yard full of dandelions, you can run them over with a lawnmower temporarily look good, but those weeds are going to come right back, right? Within a few days, a week or so. And plus they actually multiply, right? So 
I started to realize like I needed to figure out a way to help my clients really pull those weeds up by the root. And that led me to getting a life coach certification and really looking at thoughts. And because that's ultimately all the actions that we do are driven by our feelings. Our feelings are created by our thoughts. And so it's not until we really address the thoughts and the beliefs and even our identity and how we respond to stress or emotion, any other quote unquote negative emotion that we will be able to have lasting change. Yeah, super interesting, because as I have been doing this work of addiction and medicine within my family medicine practice, I really have started to get more people, not like the what we think of like the typical addictions like opiates, methamphetamines, benzos, but food addiction has been really interesting. I've started having more and more patients like pop up into my clinic with that. And then also an, another fellow coach, Dr. Kara Pepper, she does a lot of work around eating disorders. And so I've like been a lurker in the back of her webinars, listening to like what she sees from the clinical side and recognizing those behaviors. And, and many times I see my patients go from like a substance to then a behavioral addiction. Like they get like addicted to running or they get like super restrictive in like calorie counting or the other, they have like, instead of poly substance addiction, they have like poly everything. Maybe it's substances and it's binge eating or other dysfunctional eating patterns and that sort of thing. And it, it really does remind me that, you know, we all are just trying to deal with this thing called life. And you're so right, unless we get underneath to the roots and to understand, like, why do I go to XYZ? You know, am I, am I trying to one, make myself feel better? Am I trying to numb and not feel anything? Or is it like just something I know definitely growing up in the Midwest, like food is a really big deal in community. And, mm-hmm. and like you said before the recording, like food is like a socially acceptable form that we can use kind of like alcohol, you know, that it, nobody really thinks if you were to be a cocaine addict, like, oh my God, what are they doing? But if you go out and drink every night after you come home from work, like that can be done in seclusion type of thing. And I think that's how food is too. Have you seen, I'm talking from my experience and perspective, but Have you seen a shift in behaviors or folks coming to you while you've been doing this work around stress and emotional eating? Yeah, I mean, I think so my clients that I generally work with are physician moms, right? And we obviously are dealing with a lot of stress. I mean, pre-COVID, there was a ton of stress. It was, I I believe, a generally dysfunctional healthcare system (laughs) um, before COVID. And then like that was just something magnified by COVID, right? Like, And so we are working in subpar conditions. We are, you know, having to do extra shifts because we're short staffed and all of these things. Right. And so definitely they're dealing with stress and emotions. And I think like, you know, and this is part of what I talk about in my mini course, that there are four habits that we learned in med school that really make it hard for us to have lasting weight loss. And one of them really is like, first of all, I think one of them is really just scarcity around food, right? Like we start to have 
the scarcity mentality. Because remember being taught, Erin, like eat, pee, and sleep while you can, right? Like I think every med student was taught that by their interns or residents. They were well-meaning, right? They're like, hey, you never know when shit's going to hit the fan. So just make sure you get your rest in, make sure you get your food in. And like, I really took that to heart. I think many of us did. Like I remember stuffing my pockets of my short white coat with like a whole bunch of granola bars (laughs) and like, you know, whatever I, cookies, like, yogurts, I don't know, whatever I could stuff into my pockets. I, I figured out that I really love two packets of hot chocolate with marshmallows in old an old coffee, you know, the old coffee that's been sitting there all day. But if you put enough hot chocolate, then it's okay. Like, uh-huh. I think about that yeah. too, all the time. And, and, or it's like, okay, I'm going to eat this bag of mini chips because like, that's the only thing that's left. And like, I got to yeah. get it in quick. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much scarcity of like, you never know what's going to happen. Like, especially in the ER is like, you never know when there's going to be a crazy trauma or code blue or like, and then by the time you get through that, the cafeteria is closed. You're going to be starving all night. Right. There's all this like scarcity of like, oh my God, I better eat it now. (laughs) And so, you know, basically at the end of the day, like emotional eating really is eating for any reason besides hunger right? So besides Mm -hmm. physical hunger. And so anytime we're eating, whether it's because we want to feel better. So this is the other habit we learned in med school was to turn to food to feel better in the moment because we're stressed, we're tired, we're exhausted, we're overwhelmed, right? And so, and we just came out of a code blue and the person died and we're like, all right, well, I obviously can't go smoke outside right now. And I obviously, can't, and most of us aren't even smokers to begin with. And then I obviously can't just throw back a beer right now. I'm in the hospital, but I can go turn to food. And let me just go eat some of those chocolate chip cookies that I stuffed into my pocket <laughs> or that I threw into my bag or my locker, because that's going to make me feel better in the moment, right? So it really is like trying to feel better in the moment. And the problem with this is it like just becomes a habit, right? Like it's socially acceptable. Nobody's going to question you about that, but we are using it to neutralize some emotions. Like we're feeling stressed. We're feeling exhausted. We're feeling overwhelmed. And um, instead of actually learning how to process those emotions and also realize like, Hey, it's okay to feel stressed. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel exhausted. Like nothing has gone wrong when we feel these, right? And the only thing to really be done with an emotion is simply to feel it. We don't have to fix it. We don't have to suppress it. We don't have to react to it. We don't have to neutralize it. Like the purpose of a feeling is actually just to feel it, right? Like nobody taught us that anywhere along the way. At least nobody ever taught me that anywhere from kindergarten through med school through residency. I remember being taught like how to break the bad news to the patient, right? But I never was taught like, hey, how do I process this? Like, how am I supposed to process all these feelings? Like, I'm literally seeing people die. I'm seeing child abuse, like domestic violence. Like, we're seeing a lot of sad things happening in the world, right? And we're like in our early 20s. Like, nobody's taught us like how to have this emotional, like how to process emotions. Like, I think we're resilient. We're absolutely resilient people. We have a lot of drive. We're motivated. We're on this mission. Like we genuinely want to help, but like nobody's taught us how to process these things. So we just come up with a coping mechanism. And for many of us, it was food. And so, and this just keeps carrying on, you know, like I remember going to the ER and I would see that ambulance, like all I'd be walking into the ER, see a whole bunch of ambulances lined up. I'm like, oh shit, it's going to be one of those days. Let me, uh, like, let me first of all stop by the doctor's lounge, load up my pockets, 
with the chocolate pudding, <laughs> the Lorna Dunes, remember those cookies, <laughs> graham crackers and peanut butter, just in case, like I'm not going to get food later on, you know? So I think it's not until we like really address all of these things, like the food scarcity, there's so much mindless eating we were doing, right? Like eating during grand rounds, eating while charting, right? We, we became also very disconnected with our bodies. Like we were, you know, like I remember being scrubbed into a super long vascular case as a med student on, on the surgical rotation. It was like a 10 hour case and we were not allowed to scrub out to go to the bathroom to eat, right? Thank God I wasn't like the med student who passed out but like, you know, some people do. And it's like, we had to learn to disconnect from our body's needs and our body's sensations. So there's so many things that we learn, like these, what I call four, you know, I call them four bad habits that we learn in med school that really make it hard for us to lose the weight and keep it off. And it's really not until we start to address those that we'll be able to stop turning to food as, as a coping mechanism and, you know, have the lasting weight loss that we want to have. It's taken me a really long time to relearn what hunger feels like in my body. Really long time. This is also complicated because I have some chronic medical conditions. So like teasing out what's going on. But I mean, I can remember for so long in med school and residency, I would have these headaches and I was just like, okay, take Tylenol, ibuprofen, naproxen, whatever, you know, for these headaches. And now what I realize is instead of feeling like hunger in my abdomen belly, I feel hunger in my head first. Like I kind of start getting the like, it's getting around that time to eat. But then I also have to be careful of like when I get a headache that I'm like, am I hungry or is there something else going on? Because I, I feel a lot of things in my head and face and neck. So that has been really, really interesting that it took me until 40s, late 30s, early 40s to be like, and so I've been talking to my kids about that, like what hunger feels like. My middle one goes until like this hangry monster. And we're like, Briar, are you hungry? I'm not hungry! I'm like, okay, let's have a drink of water and then let's see what your body tells you. And, you know, honestly, nine and a half times out of 10, he is. He's hungry. He's a growing kid. He He's eating me out of house and home right now, which is fine as long as we're recognizing, like, this is what your body needs. But I, I think that's part of the training. The hidden curriculum when you're going through your medical training is, like, suppress all bodily urges. You are the job. Patients must come first and like mm -hmm. figure it out later. And I think it was so poignant how you talked about like, how do we process these things? Because second victim phenomenon is real. Like you can't do our job in healthcare or any job in healthcare without the job affecting you. You cannot walk away yeah. scar-free. 100%. So, yeah. So like, yeah, like learning those things, like how do we process things? Being from maybe taking a three minute walk down a different hallway that has some natural light versus calling in the next day and being like, I'm not going to be able to do this shift instead of just sucking it up and, and swallowing those emotions down and doing it. Yeah. I mean, I teach what I call um, H&P method for processing emotions. And it's simply like, Basically, like we all learn to do an HNP, right? Like as physicians and med school students, right? So I just say, like, 
do a HNP on your emotion. All right. So, okay. You're feeling stressed. First of all, the first step is identify like, what is this emotion? Like, what do you want to call this emotion that you're feeling in your body? Right. And then the next thing is just simply to actually stay in your body. Don't go back to your brain. Don't keep thinking about those thoughts, but just stay in your body and be like, okay, I'm feeling stressed. This is stress. I like to put my hand on my chest. And I'm like, this is stress, Archana. Okay. You're feeling stress right now. And I like to sit and then I start to do a history on it. Okay. Like, where is the stress? Just like I would like a patient in the ER with chest pain, abdominal pain. Like, where are you feeling your pain? And, and it's like, okay, it feels like I feel it right here in the center of my chest. And what does it feel like? Like, what kind of, how would you describe that feeling? Is it like tight, sharp, dull, burning? What is it? And for me, it's a tightness right now, right? Does it radiate anywhere? Is it going to your back, to your shoulders, whatever? And then you can even ask like, what color is it, right? And this is a way of like just staying with it, staying with the feeling, right? Processing it through. And then I start to breathe through it. And I'm like, okay, now that once I feel like I fully described it in a history and physical to myself, then I breathe through it. I'm like, okay, this is stress. This is stress. And I imagine standing at the shore of the beach, you know, and like where your feet are just in the water and you the waves of the ocean are just washing over your feet back and forth. This is stress. This is stress. And, and the first time you do it, you're probably going to feel like you're going to die, right? Because <laughs> you're like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to feel stress. I'm not supposed to feel anxiety. We feel like something really bad is going to happen, but nothing does, right? Like the, the only thing that happens is that we feel it. And the feeling is simply meant to be felt. We're not going to die. And maybe it takes 10 minutes the first time, but the more and more you do this, the better you get at processing through the emotions. And I even like to rate it, like how intense is it at the beginning and how intense is it once I do this practice with myself of processing it. And then as time goes along, you get really good at processing emotion. It takes like two minutes, right? And so right there in two minutes, I've processed my emotion. I didn't need to react in anger, right? I didn't need to go yell and throw a bunch of stuff. (laughs) I didn't need to go eat, right? Because eating doesn't really actually take away the stress. It just like kind of uh, just distracts me in a way. It's a little dopamine hit, right? Like it's a little bit of dopamine to make me feel slightly better in the moment, but it didn't actually take away my stress, right? And so what I teach my clients is like the best way to process emotion is to go through it, right? It's sort of like you're on this island, you need to cross the bridge over to the mainland. And the only way to cross that bridge is to process through the emotions And so that's like one of the key skills I teach. And I have various other methods that I teach people on how to process emotions without having to turn to anything. You know, not having to turn and not like you were mentioning kind of substituting, right? One addiction for another, right? And so instead of having to do that, literally the main thing I teach is is how to process our emotions in, in this way. And there's so many other methods, but and everybody can kind of find something that works for them. But that's that's how I teach it. Don't you think a lot of it is also relearning how to trust your body? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I know I mean, at I, times we feel like I know that I feel like it's betrayed me, quote unquote, in some way, or you know, because it is because I am human <laughs> and I experience these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like we almost have to let go of. Well, two things there. So one is we need to reconnect with our body's sensations, right? Like we were touching on earlier, when am I actually having physical hunger and when am I having emotional hunger? And so sometimes what we're doing is, 
you know, it's very easy to tell busy people like women physicians, just go fast, right? Which is basically like, don't eat, (laughs) just skip a bunch of meals and then you'll lose weight, right? But what I found is like, you simply can't out fast a bad diet because if you're eating a whole bunch of crap in that four hour window or six hour, eight hour, whatever window, eating window it is, it's still not gonna really get you to your goal. And so I've seen a lot of people where I'm like, girl, you need to eat. Like, let's stop the crazy long fast, like the 20 hour fast and all this stuff. You actually need to fuel your body, okay? Like you have an intense job. Like there's such a huge cognitive load on us as physicians. Like we're making like thousands of important decisions in a day and during our clinical work, right? For each patient, it's probably 20 to 50 decisions, right? That we're doing in our head. And that's a huge cognitive load. And so one of my clients specifically, I can remember her, she was doing like these 20 hour fasts. And I was like, I don't think you're fueling yourself properly with enough nutrition. And I put her on three meals a day. And it was just like, you know, when you've got a plant that's like wilted and about to die, and then you water it. And then you go back like six to eight hours later. And it's like, it's like all perked up and like all like a whole new plant. It was like that with her. Like she, the next time I saw her a week later, she was just like, her whole energy was different. Her whole mood. She was like, oh my God, I was cleaning closets at home. I had finished my charts super quickly. I just am in such a better mood with my husband and family. And so I'm like, yeah, like you are not fueling yourself properly. (laughs) And so I think that we definitely need to be fueling ourselves properly. And a lot of times we're not, we're just kind of caught up in the whole, uh, you know, like we're kind of like supposed to be superhumans as doctors. We don't need to eat. We don't need to sleep. We don't need to pee. Like we're supposed to function on two hours of sleep and no food. Right. And so it's like, no, we are humans first. (laughs) And, and I, you know, my own philosophy is like you first and everyone second. And that is very counterintuitive to everything we've been taught. And it's counter to the whole medical culture of patient first always. But it's like, no, like I literally can't do my job well when I'm not taking care of myself. You know, I'm not showing up as my best self. And and I think my that client example I just shared shows that. Like she was like, oh my God, like it took me forever to get my charts. I was like getting annoyed with patients. But when I'm actually fueling myself correctly, I'm showing up as a better doctor too, you know? So I think there's definitely that piece of it too. Absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned, like, okay, guys, let's meet our basic needs. I know that it's not good for me to answer an email after about three or four o'clock in the afternoon because of that cognitive load. Like I'm done and I get a little short and a little snappy. Um, If I don't get all my charts closed by the end of the day, I know instead of slogging through it, that if I just go home, do my evening routine, get good sleep, the next morning, I can pop through those suckers in 15 minutes compared to taking an hour and a half in the evening. And that's been a really big revelation for me, as well as fueling well is sleep. I mean, again, like we we have to break that belief that like, oh, it's okay to have disconjointed sleep when you're on call all the time or you're working swing shift hours and you're changing shifts and like, oh, yeah, I can do that. But it's really being like, but is this the best for me? And I think it is, is that mind shifts to say, like, in order for me to do my best work, I've got to put these areas of my life first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's one of the big things that I encourage to all my clients is like prioritize your sleep. You know, it's really important 
for everything, honestly, like the more and more we look at it, you know, even from the medical literature, like it's just so helpful. Like it prevents like, you know, things like even like dementia and like cancers and it helps you control your weight, like have better, more easy weight loss or like, you know, improved weight loss. And that's part of the reason why I'm encouraging it in my program is like, Hey, like get your sleep, your whole weight loss journey is going to be easier for you. You know, our cortisol levels are lower. So it's, it's just so vital, I think, to really take good care of ourselves. And as women, there's just the whole, um, societal cultural belief and like what we've been almost taught as women is just to constantly sacrifice ourselves. So not only were we getting that message from the medical culture, but we were also getting it just from society in general that women are there to sacrifice themselves, serve everybody else. And like, they should put themselves on the back burner. And, you know, like my mom's a physician and she did try to do it all. Like she was trying to be the superwoman and like that did lead her to end up with uh, quite a few different chronic medical problems, you know, feeling anxious and like a lot of other things. There is a cost to it, right? It doesn't come without a cost. And I think like that's what we have to realize. And I always tell people, hang up that superwoman cape. You know, there's no reason to try to be a superwoman. Like you are a human being. And, you know, I encourage people to really be giving from the overflow, right? Like if you just imagine a cup, of water and you like keep pouring it into other people's cups, like eventually your cup is going to be empty. But there's another way to give, which is just if you pour a pitcher of water into your cup and it's just overflowing, then you can keep giving to others in that way from the overflow. And so that's really what I'm all about, you know, preaching is, is really just giving from the overflow, filling yourself up so much so that you can truly give because that's truly giving from a place of abundance as opposed to giving by depleting and from a place of scarcity. Arch, a friend, it's so good to see how you've grown and shifted and changed as your kids have grown, as you have grown, as your career has changed. You have so much more to enlighten people and to encourage and help them. Talk a little bit about if people want to get more of these habits that we must bust and that we didn't learn in med school and where you hang out on social media. Yeah. Thanks, Erin. It's been so great. I love the conversation. Yeah. So if people want to check out my mini course, it's called Secrets to Lasting Weight Loss. We didn't learn in med school and I break down for you, you know, how to let go of past fails at weight loss um, so that you can make this the last time that you, that you have to lose weight. The four habits we learn in med school that we have to let go of if we want to achieve lasting weight loss. And why also counting anything, whether that's calories, macros, or points, and intermittent fasting simply don't work for us and our lifestyle as women physicians. And, you know, how you simply can't out-exercise a bad diet or out-fast a bad diet too. And so I also break down for for people the four crucial steps that physician moms have to take to, to lose weight for the last time. And so anybody who'd like to check that out, you can simply go to Mama Docs School and it's M-A-M-A-D-O-C-S school.com. And you can check out that free mini course. And on social media, I hang out on Instagram at Mighty Mom MD and same thing on Facebook, Mighty Mom MD. So I'd love to connect with you all. And uh, this has been such a treat, Erin, to connect with you. I know. It's so good. When you email me about coming back on, I was like, hells yes, just find a date. Let's do this. 
We'll have all that in the show notes too for you guys where you can hang out with Archnet and friend. I have to tell you the badass in me honors the badass in you. friend. So my word of the year for 2023 is going to be slacking for two reasons. One, I am really going to pull back the throttle in 2023 and see what life is like when I just do enough, not extra, not overboard, not overworking, burning myself out, burning candle at both ends, slacking, something I don't think I've really ever done my entire life. I'm excited about it, but I'm also worried, of course, (laughs) the classic OCD overworker, how this is going to be. The other reason that slack is going to be my word in 2023 is that's where I'm going to hang out. You're not going to see me in a lot of new places. I'm just going to be waiting for you in my DMs on Slack. Yeah, I'll probably occasionally post on Instagram and still send out a few emails But you're going to see a change in Burnt Out to Badass and Dr. Me First. You're going to just see me waiting willingly and quietly in the corner for those who are ready for help. No more blasting lots of advertisements and marketing and pushing people. When you're ready, you'll come and we're going to see how it goes. So there you go. That's my word for the year. How about you? Have you picked a word? I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email. Better yet, send me a DM in Slack. Or maybe you want to join me and let's make this the year of slacking. All right, friend. Remember, if work is your drug, rest is your recovery. Come over and hang out with Slack and me and start slacking off a little bit in life. friend. Thanks for sticking around for this episode with me. If you're listening to it and thinking, damn, I do need to lose some weight and get my life back online. I just have to tell you, me too. I probably got a good 50, maybe more pounds that have just been hanging on. But just remember, this is a journey. This is not a sprint. Nor do you need to change your body shape because when I weigh XYZ, that's when things will be better. Make things better now and see how your body and your mind adapt with it. Archnet is a great support. She offers so much more. She tags it as weight loss, but really what it is, is just phenomenal coaching. So go out and hang out with her. Do it. Do this life in a way that's with ease and with love and compassion rather than crash dieting, taking several shots of Bozempic. I've been tempted, needless to say, and really getting to the root of the issues and also recognizing that there can be health at any size, really can be. So I just want to remind you, like I reminded Archana, the badass in me honors the badass in you. And I just want to remind you, if you're having a low, low day, or maybe you're having a really good day, that your life, your calling, your pulse matters, especially to me. See ya.